Hello to all my people, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch Spots and Chair Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content, but if not, we'll deliver some mediocre wrestling content, but we'll sprinkle in some food and pop culture references, you know, so we still get over. I am your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am D. Will Gray, and I am glad to be here with you on this journey, and today that journey is a little wrestling Russian roulette. Remember, here at Botch Spots and Chair Shots, we're calling in the ring from all the angles. When we think about invasion angles, it almost always goes to the WCW merger in the early 2000s, or SmackDown going to Raw, or Raw going to SmackDown, or NXT showing up at SmackDown, or hell, even Degeneration X invaded an episode of Monday Nitro once. In 2022, we now have a new version of this. After a vicious and destructive hardcore war with Violent by Design and the Good Brothers losing to Rhino Heath, Rich Swan, Eddie Edwards, and Willie Mack at Hard to Kill, the men were recovering from the carnage, and the blood had not even dried yet before all hell broke loose. Maria Canales led a group of Ring of Honor stars to the ring, including Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, PCO, and Vincent. They looked to go after Heath and Rhino early, but soon focused on the rest of the team, and they cleared the ring out. They made it clear they were here to stay, and the Impact announced team declared it an invasion. This made five unplanned appearances by Ring of Honor stars, according to Scott D'Amore, the executive vice president of Impact, who was quoted backstage saying he had no idea what was happening. The Ring of Honor world title was already on the line earlier in the night in a pure wrestling match with Jonathan Gresham defending a Ring of Honor alum, Chris Saban. When the ring announcer there, a color man there, their world title there, and talent making their presence felt in and outside of the ring, I agree. This is most definitely an invasion. Even during the women's championship match, Roxy, the current standing Ring of Honor women's champion, was setting ringside for the match. I would love to see Ring of Honor championships be continued to be defended on Impact TV. Think about it. The women's champ, imagine Deanna Parazza versus Roxy in a program, James versus Roxy in a title versus title position. You open up the tag team division. You've got the Briscoe brothers versus the Good Brothers, the Briscoe brothers versus Finn Juice, the cross-promotion work between Impact and New Japan and Ring of Honor in New Japan, the contact between WWE and Impact now, the invasion is here, and that being said, there's nothing we can really do about it. We may as well enjoy the ride and hope that Ring of Honor's open contracts allow for that talent to go around as they see fit. I would love to see some cross-promotion work between them. I would love to see something like FTR and the Briscoe Brothers. I would love to see Moose go over to AEW and have a chance to show that he can hang with somebody like a Daniel Bryan or a Brian Danielson, or a CM Punk. Think about Moose versus somebody like Powerhouse Willie Hobbs, Willie Mack versus a Willie Hobbs. It's there. The talent speaks for itself, and I think that no matter what, we could get some good programs coming off of this for our TV. As a wrestling fan, this is the perfect example of a time when it's great to be excited. On this past Friday night, it was announced that Mickey James, the current Impact Knockouts Women's Champion, would be competing in the Royal Rumble this January. James has been a part of three of the four Women's Rumbles, so you know, it should be familiar territory for her. She is coming off a huge win in a Texas death match against the virtuosa Diana Perazzo at Hard to Kill on Impact's big pay-per-view this past Saturday night. Mickey James is everywhere right now, and she deserves it. She was included in being a huge part of the NWA Empower pay-per-view, which featured a stacked card of women's legends and young stars alike. The addition of James to the Rumble opens a whole can of worms, so let's roll into it and take care of it. 
This isn't the first time WWE has had a relationship with Impact, but as of right now, there isn't much out there other than the Rumble. The WWE has exchanged talent for talent in the past, allowing Impact to book Christian Cage for a pay-per-view. In return, they allowed Ric Flair to come home for his induction into the WWE Hall of Fame. Scott D'Amore, the executive vice president of Impact, recently tweeted congratulating the WWE for walking through the forbidden door. It's a moniker that I'm not a huge fan of, but we can get into that later. Anyways, they walked right through the forbidden door, and since all we got right now is Mickey James in the Rumble, let's play a little fantasy booker for a minute and imagine if we could pick whatever matches we wanted. The, the sky's the limit. Here are just a few that we decided we wanted to see. Now imagine Willie Mack versus Bobby Lashley. Lashley, already a four-time World Impact Champion, so the history is there. He's got a pass with the company. Then somebody that's young and hungry that wants to impress like Willie Mack. Imagine him coming in in a number one contender's title contender's position where him and Bobby Lashley could battle back and forth. There's no way around it. That would be just a straight banger of a program to be a part of. Next, Roman Reigns versus the surprise here. I'm going to go with Eric Young. Eric's a friend of the show. He's been on Botch Spots and Share Shots a time before, so always represent EY. Eric went on after the WWE to show he can achieve bigger and better things, winning multiple Impact World Championships. So it would be a coming of home for sorts to show that he can be the top hill of a company. So why not go after the top hill in the company? I feel like a universal championship program between Roman and Eric could be a long story told because they have tradition and their ability to work and talk both would lead it. Plus, you could see the bloodline versus by violent by design. Theoretically, nothing could go wrong there. Sinsuke Nakamura, the current standing Intercontinental Champion, versus Trey Miguel, the standing X Division Champion. Imagine the story that would be told between Nakamura Strong Style versus the high-flying speed of Miguel. Nothing would hit. I mean, everything would be fast, everything would be flying, strong strikes, big pops, it would be awesome. This match would sell out the Tokyo Dome. These styles together is what New Japan is all about, and it would be a great way to cross-brand kind of an IC versus X Division crossover, so I think that would be a stellar one to go with. Brock Lesnar versus Moose. What more can I say or do I need to say? Big champions, Matt Skills, big strikes. They both look like champions. They both work like champions. They both talk like champions. The the two back-to-backs between Moose that he's had in his title defenses show you that he's a working champion. Brock Lesnar has no problems defending, so I think it would be like the rubber meets the road kind of between the two of them, and the, the story itself would, would tell itself. My big pick and my number one forever between Impact and WWE that I feel like needs to make happen is Deanna Parazza versus Becky Lynch. The Virtuosa and the Irish Last Kicker, Big Time Bex versus the Female Belt Collector. The promos and shoots they would do and put together would tell the story for us. Their work in the ring would be next to none. The Just the sheer simple fact that these two women right now are carrying their respective divisions on their back tell us that if we put them in the ring together at the same time, it would be pure gold. So, walking back through the forbidden door, who's to say any of these will ever actually happen, but as fans, we can always hope, and maybe someday we'll have a chance to see one of them.
Okay, everybody. We recently reached out on Twitter for a few topics you wanted us to cover, so let's hit the ground running. Today, we're going to cover some stuff that we wanted to hear from you guys. Y'all gave us some suggestions. Y'all gave us your questions, so we're going to hit it going. Let's start with the first one. It comes from the boss bitch herself, Allison, at JustAGirl1918 on Twitter, and she wants to talk about the women getting a mid-card title. I 1,000% agree. This is absolutely be the case. Let's be honest. WWE is only a little ways away from having an entire women's-only brand. They've already had a successful women's-only pay-per-view. The addition of a mid-card title makes absolute sense. If they consolidate the women's titles and had a champion touring the two main roster brands, allowing for them to have multiple angles at once, cross-brand altercations, it wouldn't let it would lessen the oversaturation of the division and allow for a mid-card title to fall into place to allow for growth and development, the kind of the way the IC or US titles have done for the men's division. Think about somebody like Liv Tyler as a champ in the singles department. She's the internet sweetheart. It could be a stepping stone for the wrestlers who haven't had a chance to prove themselves as a singles competitor in the world title picture yet. And it gives them a chance to experience holding gold and performing at that level. AEW has already jumped on this idea with the TBS title, and I think they saw the market was shifting for the need for a mid-card title and wanted to get ahead of the other guys in doing so. No matter the case, WWE is long overdue for a second women's title. Th that isn't a world title. I still say they need to combine their main roster's women's championship and introduce the second title as a way to strengthen both the division and elevate the wrestlers in said division. Our boy Bama Dave over at Bammer Slammer says that Tony Khan is too close to the talent and needs to bring in an outside booker to manage the booking of the men's and women's division. The fear is he has is that TK is too invested as a fan to truly be objective and tell stories that would generate higher ratings. Dave, I completely agree. I think the best thing for AEW would be to get a booker to come in and lead the creative and get it out of the hands of the EVPs. If we look at it, as two separate people writing two separate divisions then allows for them to focus on their half of the pie entirely and not split time to fill other time slots. This two-headed dragon leading creative would ultimately lead to the bickering on who deserves what TV time. This would have to default to TK, but overall I think it would make sense, especially with the amount of talent being signed by AEW. Now let's play fantasy wrestling now. If I had to pick someone to take these positions within said company, um, I will probably start with the male side. From a personal perspective, I would be a heavy favorite to have a Jim Cornette or an Eric Bischoff come in and write for AEW. Here's why. They both have experience with the other guy from inside and outside the doors of the headquarters. They both had rival promotions and have both had success as writers and the heads of creative. Cornette, however, has massive red flags with his extreme view on politics and his relentless need to always be right. <clears throat> not that I'm not a fan, but I feel like it's his way or nothing mentality that could be an issue with as many vice presidents as EC or AEW has, not ECW. Paulie Dangerously is a saint. Bischoff, however, has a long history with Turner with his previous stint in WCW. He is the man who beat Vince for, uh, for the first time for 83 weeks. So why not see if lightning can strike twice? He does have a huge cult following like Cornette and would definitely move the needle in regards to just a name alone. On the female side, I feel like reaching out to a Mickey James or a Trish Stratish, a woman who can work, 
who has coached and who has a rich history in the business. I feel like both of these women adjusted well in the roles outside of the ring influencers on young talent. And with them both being champions multiple times over, they understand the necessity of a good story to tell. Another question comes in from the WrestleBread podcast on Twitter was if someone were to start a promotion today and you could sign any five superstars, who would they be male and female? On the male side of things, Braun Breaker, because he's young, he's hungry. Family history inside the business, he would be a terrific world champion. Until he's ready, he's going to be a force in the men's division. Roman Reigns, Tribal Chief, historic round as champion. He can talk, he can work, he can be a baby face when he needs to, and he looks like a champion is supposed to look. MJF, for the same reason as Braun Breaker, he's young. He's hungry. He has the ability to make you love to hate him. He's fundamentally sound, and he has the ability to elevate his opponents in the ring. He's the future of heel wrestling and modern wrestling. FTR, they're the best tag team currently wrestling and have a pedigree to show for it. The record speaks for itself. Yes, it's a tag team, but it still fits in the five-person restrictions because, come on, you have to have a good tag team. They've held gold everywhere they've ever been. They're champions inside the ring and out. They can work. They can talk. With somebody like Tully beside them, FTR's solid gold. My curveball in the men's division is Nick Aldis. You probably didn't see it coming, but he's a technician in the ring. He can work with young guys. He understands what it means to be a force and the face of a franchise. He can lead a locker room. He also spent 1,043 days holding and defending the 10 pounds of gold, including helping reshape the NWA during the pandemic. He is hands down the most underrated wrestler in 2020. Uh, the 2020s, rather. Okay, for my women, Bianca Belair. She's got charisma. She's the champion. She's the EST of uh, WWE. Hands down one of the best live performers in the business right now. Liv Morgan, talented worker, fan favorite. She can talk. She's relatable because she's always kind of been the underdog. I feel like she's got that next push behind her. I feel like Candice LeRae's in there. She's, in my opinion, the best female wrestler in the Gargano family. She's held tag team gold in a men's division by herself. She can work. She can talk. She can run the gauntlet. Plus, we know she likes to get juice because she has no problems bleeding. She is the all-around person. Let's get her out. Let's get her back and see where she goes in NXT. But I think she is solid stable. Thunder Rosa. She has drive. She has dedication. She's held championships pretty much everywhere she's ever been. She can work. She can talk. She checks all of our boxes. So that's another solid pick. Diana Perazzo, the virtuosa. She is a female belt collector and she deserves the title as such. She's been in the NWA. She's been in AEW. She's been in uh, T Impact and TNA. She's been all over the world. And she's done nothing but show how she's one of the best workers in the business. Honorable mentions go to Hikaru Shida, Io Shirai, Britt Baker, and Sasha Banks. But no matter how you look at it right now, women's wrestling is completely stacked from top to bottom. So there's no right or wrong answer here. The final question, and my personal favorite, is and will be the most controversial. Coming in from the Smack Raw podcast, they wanted us to know if we casted the Avengers characters using pro wrestlers, who would they be? Let's start at the top. Iron Man, the face of the franchise. Easy pick. Shawn Michaels. Charisma. 
You love to hate him. When he plays the heel, he's great. When he plays the baby face, you love him. Plus, Shawn Michaels could probably pull off playing Tony Stark. Captain America, another easy pick. Hulk Hogan, but 1991, winning the Royal Rumble, red and gold, eat your vitamins, Hulkster. The Hulkamaniac, Hulk Hogan, obvious Captain America. The Incredible Hulk, Andre the Giant. He's a big brute. He smashes things. Come on. That's an easy pick. Thor, Triple H. Come on, follow me here for a second. He's powerful, sometimes too powerful for his own good. He can lead, but kind of chooses to do his own thing most of the time. He interjects where he's needed. Kind of like Triple A as WWE champion. Spider-Man. Let's go with Sammy Guevara. He's young. He's flashy. He's already in love with trying to be Iron Man, a.k.a. Shawn Michaels, so it's an obvious fit. Ant-Man. This is where it gets weird, guys. Hornswoggle when he's the tiny little Ant-Man, but when he becomes the huge Ant-Man, he should be Otis. But when he's normal-sized, he should just be Paul Rudd and just confuse the hell out of everybody. Black Widow. Natalia. Tactician. She's brave. She'll beat up a man when she needs to. She's got history in the business, both good and bad attached to her name. Seem to make sense. Scarlet Witch. That's Britt Baker D. MD. Here's why. She's more powerful than she realizes. She doesn't understand the power she really has, but when she gets down to it, she's probably the best female Avenger that's out there right now. Vision, Dustin Rhodes. He's been around forever, and he would appear to literally know everything there is to know about the wrestling business. So Dustin Rhodes, obvious pick for Vision. Black Panther, Kofi Kingston. Fun, energetic, Serious when he needs to be. Natural born leader of the New Day. Not to mention the fact that he absolutely would kill it with some, like one of those really cool Black Panther suits as ring gear. I think that would just knock it out of the park. Winter Soldier. Macho Man Randy Savage. But the NWO version, you know, where he's kind of the mad best friend of Captain America. Complete makes sense. Nick Fury obviously needs to be Booker T. Old wise man who has seen some shit, but can still keep the younger generation in line. An honorable mention, uh, Rocket Raccoon, obviously cast by Marco Stunt because he's tiny. That was a lot of fun, guys. I really, really appreciate your questions. Make sure to check us out on Twitter to see when they're coming back and check it out. Now, as we close another episode of Botch Bots and Chair Shots, I'd like to take a minute and thank you for listening. Remember to follow us literally anywhere or everywhere you do anything online. Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. You have so many options. Take a second to like, follow, subscribe, unsubscribe, then subscribe again. Leave a comment telling us how great we are or how terrible we sound. Either way, it helps the algorithm and helps find new listeners. Head over to Patreon.com and subscribe to Botch Bots and Chair Shots if you feel so inclined to donate a little bit to the cause. And always, I am your host, The Will Gray. Stay weird, my people. <laughs>